0: Let's get our Bibles open to Philippians chapter 1. Uh, We're going to be looking at uh, verses 3 to 6 today. And uh, as you get kind of flipped over there and situated and phones open to those apps and, you know, paper Bible if you've got that. uh, One of my uh, kids' uh, favorite pastimes is to uh, ruthlessly make fun of uh, the old dad bod. Right? My kids love doing that. And uh, it's not very often, obviously, uh, that I get downstairs to do like a home workout, hence the dad bod, right? But uh, whenever I would do that, my kids would sometimes come downstairs and uh, they would come and they would watch and you would think, well, maybe it's to like, you know, inspire and cheer on their dad and, you know, encourage me and all of that. But, but no, right? It's to watch and point and laugh and to look at all the things, kind of you know, jiggling in place, and the soft marshmallowness uh, that's been there uh, to move. I mean, it was even just like this week. Uh, just this week, we had some friends over, and uh, I was sitting on the couch. And it was you know, it's been a hot week, sort of, right? So I was wearing shorts, and my uh, my son was sitting beside me, playing with like a Incredible Hulk like action figure, and he was using like my thigh as like a springy, mushy you know launch pad to jump. And I'm sitting there talking, like, unbelievable. Like, what do you got to do to earn some respect, right? You feel that? I know some, some dads got to be feeling that for sure and agreeing with me um, that that is probably your life as well. Now, kids, right, kids can be phenomenal motivators, right? They can encourage you to get on an exercise program through stuff like that. You know, they can encourage you to, you know, lay off the chips after 10 p.m., okay? But something, maybe one area where they are sorely lacking uh, is in the area of encouragement, Encouragement. Now, any and all humor aside, uh, don't you or maybe you have sensed before um, at church? Hopefully, not here, but maybe you have sensed, you know, in your experience in church life, uh, that church can be a lot like that, right? It can be a place where you know encouragement is in some ways uh, kind of lacking. You know, we we can become a community very easily where instead of encouragement reigning, we're not encouraging one another in the Lord. Instead, we know, we lean towards nitpicking each other, you know, and kind of, you know, poking at each other, dragging each other down and getting downright uh, critical, okay, which, uh, of course, ends up creating a culture that, you know, no one wants to be a part of. You know, it's not a culture that's sweet. It's not a a culture that's in any way enjoyable, and it's certainly not a culture uh, that would in any way please the Lord, right? But what if, what if the church was different? Right? What if we What if we came to church? What if we were a church, or what if a church existed where that kind of thing, you know, wasn't happening, where, where discouraged and and downcast and dejected people, you know, came and found the, the the hope, the support, the the inspiration that they that they and we so so crave uh, in our souls. Now what if there was a place where truly godly and 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 biblical encouragement was was offered and then received mutually right where we were we were offering that to others and then receiving that and it was kind of going both ways. I mean can you imagine what the relationships would be like if we all bought into that and we were all going after that and encouraging one another well if that, if that permeated the culture and just became part of like who we are and how we operate it I mean it'd be unreal. It'd be incredible. What's exactly the kind of thing that the Lord wants to build in His church? It's exactly what the Scriptures talk about. It's all part of the uncommon community that we've been talking about over the last, you know, five or six weeks or so uh, in our series. It's the kind of thing that the Lord is working to create here among uh, all of us, right? It's pretty, pretty key. Now, the Apostle Paul, he. He wrote to his churches that he had a big part in you know, planting and, and seeing them get off the ground. And he wrote them and he encouraged them to be encouraging to each other. And so we're going to look at one of those passages today. And we're going to see how he does this. Hopefully you guys are in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 3 to 6. Follow along with me. He says this. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we, I think, on some level of our hearts, whether we can maybe verbalize it or or even understand it, long for Uh, long to be a part of a community where we would come and be encouraged. Lord, would people, where people would rally around us and spur us on to greater faith, greater maturity in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would build that, you would develop that, you would grow that here at Harvest. Lord, would you start with each one of us here as individuals. Lord, would you bring conviction where we maybe need it? Would you just Would you encourage us to be encouragers, Lord? Lord, I pray that our relationships would grow. I pray that we would grow in transparency and vulnerability with each other and and talk about the things that are really on our hearts, the the things that are really challenging to us. And I pray that we would find hope through you, Lord, but you use the people of God to bring hope. And so I pray, Lord, that you would do that through this church. Lord, I am so so grateful for each person here, Lord. I love that you are already building this. You are already doing this. We're not—I don't think we're starting at ground zero here. You have already been um, developing this and growing this in us, Lord. Would you continue to do it, Lord? That's what we want to see. We want to see you do far more, far more than we could ever think, we could ever ask, we've ever seen, Lord. Do it here. Would you do that, Lord? It's by your mercy and by your grace. We pray all this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, it's definitely true. I think you probably agree with me. It's definitely true that. That some people, you know, um, you know, probably need more encouragement than others. Maybe that has to do with, you know, just you're maybe new in the faith and you're trying to figure a lot of things out, and it feels kind of overwhelming at times. Or you know, you're going through really challenging times. It's like a severe trial or difficulty that you're kind of experiencing right now, and you're like, I need more encouragement. You know, and that's that's true. Some people definitely need more of it, and you know, on the other side of it, it's probably true that some of us are maybe you know more gifted, or it comes more naturally to us to be encouragers, right? And we kind of naturally encourage people as we you know kind of get to know them and find out where where they are, and we find that you know we're able to give them that that boost uh, that they need. Okay, but regardless regardless whether some are, you know, more needy or some are able to give that or not give that as much um, the reality is that we're we're all to be encouragers. Right? That's what the body of, of Christ does. That's what the church is. We we mutually encourage one another as we again pro, uh, proceed through our relationship with Jesus Christ in a, you know, in a broken and and hurting and dying uh, world. Right? And so that's what that's what we're supposed to be. None of us are off the hook about any of this. So it's not, it's not okay to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not naturally much of a people person or, you know, this doesn't come very easily to me and it comes really easy for that person or the person beside me or whatever. So I'm going to let them do all the encouraging and, you know, I'll be the one who, you know, points out all the things that need to be fixed. Right? And, and some people kind of, you know, they love that and they'll take that. Instead of being the encourager, I feel like, you know, they feel like maybe it's their job to be like the voice of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, let's, let's whip some people into shape here. And, you know, that's, that's not, we don't want to go too heavy with all of that. Right? We need to be, we need to be encouragers here. We're all supposed to do it. And and in fact, you'll notice here as we we work through these four verses uh, just this morning, you'll notice as as Paul writes this, he both both encourages the church, right? And he talks about how they have encouraged him. They've encouraged him. And so you see it going back and forth uh, there. It's all very mutual, all right? So I can encourage in profound ways. That's what we're talking about here this morning. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that can be you? You can encourage people. You can can be the hope. You can provide hope from the Lord uh, for a person as they are struggling, as they are in need. You can be an agent of their growth in him. Do you realize that you can do this? Profound, profound ways. Okay, so here's the first thing. I can do that when I'm genuinely thankful for the people here. I'm genuinely thankful. I mean, take a look at verse 3. You see it come out pretty clearly here. He says this, as I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Okay, so gratitude, that is a theme that we see all throughout Paul's epistles. Right, all throughout. As he's right. you look at Thessalonians, for example, a great example. He's constantly reminding the people to be thankful. Right, and he himself is filled with gratitude. He's filled with gratitude for the people themselves. These people that he has labored with uh, in ministry, he he is and he sees himself. And they would have seen him as like a spiritual father to them. He has he has helped them, you know, so much, you know, as they got this church started. And and you know, he was probably you know, it says that that he was remembering them, and so he was thinking back on all the experiences that they had had together and the different individuals that he would have known. Now, he probably would have been thinking about a woman named Lydia. Does that name ring a bell? Lydia of Thyatira? We hear, we hear about her in Acts chapter 16. And this is, uh, she was in Philippi. Now, she was one of the very first converts in the church. right? And she was, she was part of, of a group of women that knew the Lord. And Paul led her to the Lord to have saving faith in Jesus Christ. And she was a, it says she was a seller of purple goods. Which means that she was like a businesswoman and she was, you know, she was probably very wealthy. And so she, you know, she provided hospitality for Paul and, and Silas as they traveled through the city and 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 she probably, you know, housed them at her, you know, swanky downtown loft. You know, that's kind of how I picture it anyways. Right? She was hospitable. And so he's thinking about her and so grateful for her and the love and the care that she showed for him and for Silas in that time. You know, he's always also probably thinking about you know the demon possessed girl again. We see this in Acts chapter sixteen. Do you remember her? Right, she was the one who was bringing her, her owner's great gain through fortune telling. You remember that whole story, right? And she was and Paul and Silas they were going around um, doing ministry, and she was kind of following along, and she was saying, "These are you know these are men of the Most High God," right? And she was saying it though in a really irritating and annoying and loud way, and so Paul finally said one of one of my favorite verses ever. is like being greatly annoyed. Like, doesn't it kind of feel good that Paul got annoyed too? Right? That really helps me, I think, a little bit. Right? But he was like, he was greatly annoyed. He finally, he kind of shut her down. It wasn't so much her, but she was demon possessed. And so he cast the demon out of her. Right? And of course, that didn't go so well with her owners, right? They realized their, their means, their, their, their means of gain and fortune was, was, uh, was gone. Now, it, it doesn't say specifically in the text, but it's not too hard to imagine that she probably would have joined the church. She would have been a part of this community, and so he's thinking back on all of these things. Like, wow, the Lord is is so good, and He's so good. He's been so good to me. He's been so good to you, right? And, he, and he's looking back on all of this, and 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 he's encouraging them, and he's showing that. That, that, that he's encouraged. I mean, he's seeing this church that he had a major hand in planting, you know, over the years now. They have developed and grown and become healthy and become strong. And the Philippian church there, you know, he wrote a lot of letters to a bunch of different churches, right? We see that in the New Testament. And so many times, those churches had like major issues going on. So he was, he was calling, he was writing to address those and help them. In this church, he's mostly, he, he's encouraging them. He's like, you guys are doing great. Keep going. And so there's an encouragement tone kind of all through uh, this letter. And so again, he's, he's kind of going back through his experience and, and he's showing that he's, he's genuinely, truly, really thankful uh, for these people. And again, you see that, of course, he's encouraged and then you know, his gratitude, it it launches, it launches him into, into encouraging them, right? which is a pretty amazing thing because if you think about it, you know where Paul was writing this from, right? He was writing this from prison, right? He was, he was chained between two guards at this point. And, and when he was writing, he didn't know if he was ever gonna get out. He thought that maybe he would die there. And so it's pretty amazing to think through how the Lord and realize how the Lord was, was so working in his heart. And he was encouraged in that time, the church was encouraging him and he wanted to just pour all that back, back to them. So, hey, question for you. Are you thankful for our church? Right? Have you thought about that? Have you spent some time kind of thinking about that? How how you're you're encouraged, you're you're thankful for the people, the individuals here. You know, it's funny. I was just at a, a pastors' retreat earlier this week, and you know, as kind of the the new guy, the rookie, uh, you know, in the club, I had uh, you know I had an opportunity to kind of stand up and share a little bit about kind of what's going on in the church, and a couple of other guys who were sort of new as well got to share. And you know, many guys were going through some really challenging and really kind of difficult. And uh, hard kind of personal things uh, in their life, and I got up and I was more like, and I, I, I honestly I'm just so thankful for my church. I'm so grateful for them, and, and and a big part of that has been that I've been reading through the book of Jeremiah. Now, if you're familiar with Jeremiah at all, you know that his ministry was like I don't know the worst, right? It was it was so hard, it was so challenging, and he was a prophet who who was who was used by God to try and call the people out of sin and into a place of rebellion. And so the Lord would put a word in his heart and in his mind. He would go and he would share that. And the people were like, don't want to hear it. You know, even at one point in Jeremiah, they were like, you know, tell us what is, what does the Lord have for us here today? We want to hear what he has to say. So he shared it and they were like, no, we're not going to listen to you. We're going to do what we want to do. And and it kind of has got me thinking as I've been going through that in my own personal time with the Lord. It's like, Man, I'm so grateful for you guys and for how we have a church here who, you know, I think generally speaking, large in part, we got got people who just, you know, they want to hear the word of God, right? They want to hear the, see the Bible just opened up and just taught it. It's, it's not my thoughts. It's not, you know, popular opinion. It's like, what, what does God have to say, right? And so many times some of you will come up to me afterwards, you're like, man, was, the Lord is just working. I was so, that was so convicting to me and I've got a lot of things I need to work through. And there's like, you know, the Lord will provoke a crisis through the preaching of God's word, but that you would come up to me and be like, thank you for delivering it like that. Right? That to me, that, that's, that's God at work. That's God moving in our church. It's something that I personally am just so, so thankful for. You need to hear that from me. Now hopefully as you know, you're coming here and you know, you're, you're committing into the life of our church and you're starting to get immersed into the culture here and you're starting to get to know people and you know, maybe you're in a small group and maybe you've started serving and you're kind of on a, you know, on a team here. You're starting to see yourself you know, resonate with Paul's words here, Right? You're like, man, I, man I, I, I can't wait to come to church. Right? I love the opportunity to you know, come to small group and, you know, and, 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 help, and allow them to you know, bear my burdens that I can't handle by myself. And I get to in turn do that with them as well. We get to you know, come before the Lord and, and, and be stretched before God's word and, and pray for each other and support each other. And you know, I, I, I love that. I love what God's doing in that person or in, or in that family. And I, I love how they've been able to encourage me in, in all of that. Listen, you'll be able to encourage each other in like profound ways. Not, not surfacey stuff, we'll get into more of that later, but like in, in in real, like life-giving, meaningful, deep ways when you are actually thankful for people. Right? If you're, if you're thankful for them, then you're probably gonna want to encourage them. Right? Because, because being thankful shows that you actually care. Right? That may be kind of obvious. Okay, but genuine encouragement to a person. Okay, is inseparably linked to genuine gratitude for that person. Do you realize that? Okay, so if you don't truly love the person, all right, and you aren't really thankful for that person, any attempt to encourage them, it's going it's to be hollow. Right? You, you may be you know, saying all the right words. You may know just what verse to point to you may be really smooth in your talk or you may spend time with them but if you don't if you're not thankful for them and you don't you don't love them all of it if you think about it it's really just a mirage it's just it's just, it's just empty words again it's surfacing, and it's not what biblical encouragement is that's not what it is okay so so ask yourself genuinely here honestly do i do i really do i actually love the people in our church am i am i thankful for people here okay if not okay if you 're noticing that like yeah no i 'm I'm, I'm not really all that thankful again, I love brutal honesty, right we need to be like that with each other that 's the only way we 're going to really get to growth if we're not if we're not brutally honest you know we 're just going to continue going on limping, thinking that we 're okay when we 're really not okay so maybe you're noticing here that you're that you 're not all that thankful, and if that 's true, it might mean that you just you know you have the you know the a tendency to to kind of use people or, or treat people as consumable commodities, right? To kind of suit your own, you know, selfish desires and, and, and selfish plans. And I, I'm trying to get from people and I'm, again, it's, it's, it's all using and it's not, it's not anything that the Lord is, is looking for. A, okay? So if that's you, okay, be grieved by it. It's a good thing to be grieved by our sin. It's a really good thing to be grieved by that. And and I would say, confess it to the Lord. Confess it. He he wants to forgive you. He wants to offer that to you. Invite him into that kind of messy area of your heart where you're like, yeah, I don't don't feel like I need people. I don't feel like I'm really thankful. I'm kind of a bit of a lone soldier. And, you know, I don't need people. I can can do it myself. Invite the Lord into that whole thing. Ask him to change you and to sanctify you and and to grow you. And and then maybe, you know, invite another person into that struggle. You know, where you would be sharing that with them and, and confessing, hey, I. I, I want to love people more. I want to grow in more gratitude. I want to be a better encourager uh, to people here in our church. You know, I think if you do that, what you're going to find is that people are generally forgiving. Right? They're, they're going to be gracious. They're not going to be like, "I can't believe you did that. I would never do that." Probably not. They're going to they're be like, "Wow, I, I just appreciate that you would share that with me, and you know, l- l- let's pray together, and you know, let's go to the Lord, and let's come up with a." with a game plan here. And I don't think you're going to find condemnation here. The Lord certainly won't bring it. We're all growing in all of this, right? And all of that, as you see people be gracious to you and and extend forgiveness and and bring that encouragement into your soul that you so need, what is that going to do? That's going to cause you to be encouraged and want to do it to other people, right? And then we're all doing it together. All right, I can encourage in profound ways. Here's the second thing through a fully engaged prayer life. Fully engaged prayer life. Verse four, take a peek. He says this, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Okay, so two things here. Okay, first of all, okay, Paul expresses his gratitude for the people in the church, uh, you know, in Philippi, through thankful prayer to God. Right? He's like, thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for these people. Okay, But then secondly, what does it say there? It says, in every prayer of mine for you. Okay, so he's not just you know, prayerfully thankful to the Lord, to, to God for the people, but he's, but he's actually praying for the church, which again is amazing when you think about he's the one in chains, right? He, he's the one, you know, really suffering here, but he's, he's just praying for them. Now, if you jump down to verse nine for a second, you see some of the details here of, uh, of how he was praying, the, the specific things that he was praying. Take a look, it says, and it is my prayer, there it is, that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, well, what comes across real clearly here as you read, I mean, even just these couple of verses, but as, again, as you, as you get more familiar with the New Testament and Paul's writings, you realize that he, has just, he just has like an on-fire, robust prayer life, doesn't he? He's this guy, like, it was his joy. He, he, he was fully engaged in that discipline, Right, I I, I want to pray, and it's I, I I love to do it. Now, you ever experienced that that profound encouragement that we're talking about when someone prays for you? You ever had that? You ever had someone, you know, tell you that hey, listen, I've been praying for you this week. You know, maybe it comes like in the form of of a text. Right, that's kind of cool, right? When someone sends you a text like that or, or, or maybe it's a phone call just kind of calling you up out of the blue and just saying, hey, can I pray for you? The Lord kind of laid you on my heart. Or, or maybe it's an email and sometimes people will like write out the actual prayer for the person. Man, love that. I love when that happens. Big time encouragement that happens there. And sometimes it's just the timing of it, right? And you realize, wow, the Lord's at work here, right? happened at, at the time that I need it. Right? I've had that before. I've had people, you know, send me a text and send me a verse and, and just say, hey, like, you know, sometimes it's like in the middle of the night, like someone's woken up and they're like, man, they're like the pastor's on my mind. I just need to pray for, uh, for him or for his family. And so they send that, that text. Don't worry, my ringer's on low, you know, in the middle of the night. Right? But I get that text in the morning or, you know, it's early in the morning and I realize it's because they've spent time in, in the word and, you know, and, and the Lord has kind of brought me to mind. And so they've, again, it's so encouraging, right? When they let me know that, you're like, wow. The Lord's at work, right? He's he's doing things. He's he's reminding us and reminding this person or or just bringing, you know, a person to mind and saying that person needs to be prayed for. That's what the Lord does uh, in his church. Listen, so many of us love to give encouragement and we love to receive encouragement, you know, in the form of, you know, wise words. Right, we've been encouraged by that before when someone says like just the right thing, just the right way, at the right time. We love that. We love being encouraged through, you know, time spent with people, when people take time out of their busy, you know, schedule to grab a coffee with us or, you know, when someone someone serves us, right, like an act of service, we we find encouragement there or some some blessing, maybe it's a physical blessing that they give us, some kind of gift maybe. You know, all of those are are incredible and then they're good and they're they're necessary. And again, they're encouraging to each of us here. Okay, but sometimes we forget or, or neglect the reality that, that prayer is the most powerful encourager of them all, right? It really is, because what does it do? It engages the Lord to work on behalf of the person, right? We're, we're coming before the Lord and, and, and pleading with him to, to, to work in this person's life, right? Prayer is unique. Prayer is awesome, and it's, and it's powerful, now you guys probably know this, right? We've talked about our four pillars here at our church before. Now, um, you know what our, what our third pillar is, right? I thought about doing like a pop quiz or something like that and, you know, getting someone to stand and recite the third pillar. And right now everyone's like sweating bullets, right? So I won't do that to you. That probably wouldn't be very encouraging. Uh, but the third pillar, you remember this? Believing firmly in the power of prayer, right? Believing firmly in the power of prayer. If you want to shorten that, I like short forms. Unceasing prayer, Right? That's something we can we remember, we can memorize for sure. Okay? But if listen, if we don't actually engage in prayer for one another, then guess what? It means that we, that we don't believe firmly in the power of prayer. Right? If, if we don't actually do this, then what, 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 is the, what are those words, unceasing prayer, believing firmly in the power of prayer? They're just, they're just empty words on a banner out in the atrium or some words on a website. Right, now listen, I, I, trust me, I get it. Prayer is the hardest thing we do. Right? Would you agree with that? I, I, I like that phrase because I think it's so true. Prayer is difficult. It's like so easy to feel guilty and terrible and lousy about your prayer life. Right? I feel it. None of us probably feel like, yeah, you know what, I've actually probably been praying too much. Right? Probably we've never experienced that feeling. Right? It's, it, no, we, we feel lacking in all of that. But listen, we don't get stronger in prayer by not doing it, right? So many of us, we, we, we don't quite realize that. It's so simple yet so profound, right? We're like, well, prayer's difficult, so therefore I, I won't do it. You know, I won't pray, pray for my church. I, you know, I won't come to the, the opportunities, the prayer nights that we might have. I don't, you know, I don't pray for my family. I don't, I don't pray at small groups. I'm, you know, it's, it's awkward and uncomfortable for me. And again, I get it. I, tr- I, I get it. But listen, getting stronger at it Requires that you do it, right? You got to step out of your comfort zone. You got to take take a step of faith there and and put yourself out there, right? I would say I just encourage you. You know, text that buddy that you know is struggling this week. Text them. Just say, hey, man, I've been praying for you. You know, someone shares something with you at church or at small group or you know you're emailing with them or whatever. Just say, hey, can I call you up right now and just and, and pray for you? You know, do it like, you know, after the service, before the service. Again, it's, it's awesome to see people do that, kind of huddled in prayer at a non-structured time. Right? There's, there's, there's power in that. Fully engage your, your prayer life. That's a way that, that we can encourage. It's a really important way that we can encourage the person and encourage the church, the body that God has given us here. Okay? You'd be encouraged if they did that for you. All right, I can encourage in profound ways. Third thing. As I partner with others in God's mission. Okay, verse 5. Verse 5 says, Because of your partnership in the gospel uh, from the first day until now. Okay, so here Paul, what is he doing? He's sharing the, the why, right? He's sharing why he's been encouraged by the church at Philippi. Right? He's sharing the why. And it's because they've been so great at partnering with him and, and partnering with each other in real kingdom work, right? In, in, in gospel ministry it was fruitful and so they they've really rolled up their sleeves here and and you know they've they've owned the mission that that god has given them to to make disciples he's like man i'm so i'm so blessed by this and and i want you to know that you have encouraged me when i'm in prison and i'm and i'm struggling it's hard on a day-to-day basis and i literally don't know if my life is going to be taken from me at any moment He's like that kind of thing encouraged him big time Right, he's fired up about it because they've been, been obedient to Paul's encouragement and to his his teaching. They've you know they've surrendered themselves and stayed true to the scriptures. You know, they've cared for the for the sick and the and the suffering, and they've you know stayed strong in Christ despite their own discouragement and their own you know suffering. In each person in the church, you definitely get this feel here in the church as a whole, there's a there was a high sense of of ownership of God's mission. Like they're not just like gathering together because it was kind of fun. No, they, they, they needed each other, right? Life was hard and the church, you know, band together and, and they provo- prov- provided this, uh, this support system, you know, pulled together and, and worked through the Holy Spirit, right? They, they needed each other bad, right? And it, was, and it was awesome. And so obviously Paul's encouraged by all of this and, and they should be too. Have you ever noticed this? There's something so encouraging about partnering with somebody else or, you know, a group of people uh, to complete a common task. You noticed that before? Ever been, like, on a mission trip? I've been on a bunch of mission trips with a bunch of, you know, youth and young adult teams and all of that, and we've gone and, you know, we've you know, led like a, like a vacation Bible school, like day camp kind of thing, and, you know, in other countries and other cities, and we've done that kind of thing. There's something that's so, you know, uniting and encouraging about doing that with other people as we gather together and do the work of Christ, right? There's a bond that's formed there among a team when, when you do that. You know, or think back to your college days. Some of you are in college right now, right? Think back to that. You know, college friends, they often remain lifelong friends. I've still got, you know, some of my best friends are the ones that I went to college with. Right? And you're best friends because in some sense you, you partnered with them to complete the task of getting your degree. Right? And you, you know, maybe you lived in a dorm and you ate meals with them. And, you know, you, you, know, you, were, you bunked with them. And, you know, you, you, you studied together and you went on spring break trips together. And, you know, you got to know them and you were, you know, you were united and, and brought together in you partnered, right? What are you trying to get to? Graduation, right? That's what I'm trying to get to. Right? It's great. Okay, so it's not a stretch to kind of understand here how amazing and encouraging it is for us as we partner together as the church to carry out the mission of making disciples here. It's not a stretch. Like The bonds formed among our, our various ministry teams, right? our serving teams here, I mean, I've been able to see that with my own eyes and see that it's so great. Right? I love the camaraderie that's happening with, like, the setup team. Right? They're getting here in the morning, and they open up, you know, maybe a verse or two from God's Word, and they pray together. And, you know, they're, you know, guys especially, they love, you know, doing a task shoulder to shoulder. Right? Women more connect, I think, when they're, like, face to face. Like, let's grab a coffee at Starbucks, and guys are a little bit, maybe not as much, love to do that. It's more like, let's, you know, do a task together, uh, side by side. I love that. And, I love to see that as we carry out the mission together, how the Lord uh, unites us and, and we, we encourage each other. You know, maybe you're, you know, you're serving coffee to people afterwards. You're putting like a warm you know, hot cup of coffee in their hands or you're welcoming people or you're you know, serving up in Harvest Kids. You know, I, I, I love to see the partnership that happens here and, and why is that so special and why is that so unique and so great? Because it's discipleship, right? All of it is, it's not, discipleship's not just opening up the Bible and, and learning some verses and growing in that. It's, it's everything, okay? So you're like, you know, counting the offering afterwards with a team, or, you know, you are in the parking lot welcoming people in, in the pouring rain, right? That, that's all discipleship too. You're creating an environment where people can come and see Christ. Love that. It's encouraging, that's why we put such an emphasis here at our church. You know, for all of you to like get involved in a small group, right? Get involved, figure out your schedule, prioritize it, or you know, get onto a serving team and 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 help. It's not it's not just to you know finish some tasks and you know bang out a project and you know so that we can feel like we've got a you know x number of small groups meeting and you know all of that stuff. It's it's, it's not for that. It's because we know that you'll be so encouraged. We know that that will help you in your growth and in your walk. It'll help you in your marriage. It'll help you as as a parent or or as a college student or, you know, wherever you're at kind of in life. You'll be encouraged. And guess what? The Lord will use you to encourage others as well. So again, get on board with this. Buy in. You know, maybe there's an area for you where you just, you, you know, you've been resistant in our church. You've been resistant to joining a small group. You've been resistant to serving in some ways. And, you know, you would rather kind of have it the way, you know, you sort of want it. And I would just, again, push you and encourage you, not heavy-handedly, but because, again, it will help you so much. Get involved and serve. Be in a small group. Let's partner together in the mission of Christ. Okay, last thing. I can encourage in profound ways. Trusting that his work in us can't be stopped. Can't be stopped. Verse six, final verse. It says, and I am sure of this. I love the certainty there. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Look, if nothing else has encouraged you here this morning, let this verse get it done. Right? This verse is is amazing. And I mean, why? Because Paul's talking about salvation. He's talking about salvation. You know, he who, he says, he who began a good work in you. He's talking about he who... He who saved you from sin, right? He who who declared you righteous. He who makes you pure. He who makes you clean and holy in the sight of God the Father through Jesus Christ. He who justifies you. He who grants you, again, salvation. Justification is an awesome thing. It means that we are, in a sense, positionally saved. It means that heaven is guaranteed. That's coming. Hell's no longer a threat to us. God sees us as he sees Jesus Christ. Jesus' holiness is applied to us now. We have been justified. We have been saved. That's the he who began a good work in you part, right? But then he says this, he he who began a good work in you will, well, will what? He says that he will bring bring it to completion. That's a key word. Completion at the day of Jesus Christ, meaning that He who justifies us will also what sanctify us. Sanctification is the like the practical process of becoming more holy. Hey, you got any sin in your life? Right, I do. Right? And we're all somewhere on that spectrum of, of grappling and wrestling through you know, our broken, sinful nature. And we're learning to not lust as much as we used to. We're learning to not be so angry. We're, we're trying to see the desire for gossip you know, get, get rid out of our hearts. Right? That's what we're looking for. We're trying to grow and become, more practically speaking, like Jesus Christ. That's the process of sanctification. That's part of your salvation. That's something that the Holy Spirit does in you, and he uses people in the church to help, uh, to help you get there. Right? And he partners with us in all of that, which is pretty incredible to think about. Okay, but so he will sanctify us, but the completion piece, it's also, it's also I think, referring to, to glorification. right? He will glorify us too. Right? What's, that? What's that all about? Well, that's kind of what the, the day of Jesus Christ is referring to. You know, where, where, where someday we'll be in heaven, we'll be face to face with our Lord. We will no longer have this body of death, as Paul refers to it in Romans chapter seven. Right, you excited for that? Right, no more dad bod. Some people are kind of excited about that. How about this? No more sin, right? No more effects, no more, no more consequences of sin. No more struggling with 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 desires that are contrary to the Lord. No more dealing with the consequences of other people's sin in our lives. That part's painful too, right? Can you imagine what that's gonna be like? He who began that work in you through justification, through that moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he who began that, will bring it to completion. That is a promise. Nothing can stop the work of the Lord. Nothing not you, no person, not Satan, not demons, nothing. That's like a great place for like a whoop or like a, you know, there we go, there we go. Right, that is encouraging. That is amazing. And listen, here today, if you're if you here this morning and, and, and you have not yet put your faith in Jesus Christ, do it. Do it. Realize your sinfulness, cast it before the Lord admit to him, agree with what he says about your sin. You know what he says about it? He says that it separates you from God. He says there's nothing that you can do to fix that separation, nothing that you can do to impress God, to make him like you or love you. He shows his love for you. He showed it by sending Jesus Christ to the cross. Christ paid the penalty. Would you believe that? Would you believe that that's true for you? Our salvation is by grace. It's a gift, the scriptures say. It's a gift by grace through faith. It means it's given to us as a gift. You can't earn it. You don't do anything to again get you know twist God's arm, manipulate him, impress him. It doesn't work. God gives it to you as a gift, and then we we receive it through faith by trusting that what Christ did on the cross really was for you. Would you do that today? You do that. You begin that process of what we just described—justification. You will be on your way to what Paul's talking about here: completion completion he's going to do it nothing's going to get in the way of that right don't you love how paul is encouraging his church with that right he's encouraging them he's like he's like this is you know he's getting down into the nitty-gritty he's getting down to the the soul care the the soul level stuff that's that's really going to provide the boost and and the encouragement and the support that that these people need as they're dealing with all kinds of problems and all kinds of issues well, listen, are we any different? Yeah, I get it. We're not being persecuted. We're not being tossed in prison yet. Right? It could happen in our lifetime. Right? Is the world becoming, is Canada becoming more favorable towards Christianity in the Bible or less? Less. But listen, regardless of what your struggle is, we've all got struggles. And we need encouragement. We need real encouragement. We need encouragement that is genuine and lasts and, and sticks and is. And is deep. Because let's talk about that for a second. How we encourage each other. Right? Maybe you're looking for some, some practicals here. Because sometimes I think some of our you know, so-called encouragement, if you could you know put it that way, some of our, our, our attempts to encourage are, are, are kind of weak, right? They're they're kinda lame. And maybe you've had people before, you know, try and encourage you and you're like, that wasn't helpful. You know, or that was actually you know, more discouraging than anything. Or, or maybe you've tried to encourage somebody before, and you're like, that just fell short, and I feel like I, I kind of missed it. I missed the mark there. and You, know, you, you feel like ah, I'm kind of helpless, and you know, how, do I, how do I do this? You know. We want to be encouraging, and we want to be encouraged, but sometimes we found that, find that it's just not happening. Okay, So here are, hopefully you find this helpful, here are six ways we mess up encouragement. And hopefully through this, you'll see how to actually encourage. All right? That's the point here. Okay, here's the first one. We appeal to the person's flesh. We appeal to the person's flesh sometimes, don't we? You know, sometimes, for example, a lot of people in our world today uh, struggle with appearance. Right? We struggle with appearance. We struggle with how we look. And we wish that we were more beautiful. And we wish that we were, you know, thinner. And we wish, you know, all of that, that, that kind of stuff. And sometimes we'll, we'll talk about that with people, which I think is so good and so right. Don't hide that kind of stuff. Be honest and be, be transparent with people. But sometimes, in an attempt to encourage, we actually kind of pander to their flesh. And we're like, no, you, you are skinny. You know, you, you are beautiful. You know, and instead of, instead of providing, like, real encouragement... And sometimes what we do unknowingly, we'd probably like gasp if we realized we were doing this, but sometimes what we actually do in an attempt to encourage when we're appealing to the person's flesh is we actually help them prop up this idol, this idol of appearance. I have to look this way. I have to be obsessed with the clothes I wear. I have to be obsessed with my style. I have to be obsessed with you know, a certain weight and a benchmark that I'm going for. And, and, and if we're not careful, we can just kind of encourage that. Right? It's, it's, it can be a false god in our hearts. And so we need to get to you know, real encouragement, where we're you know, bringing people back to the gospel. Why would we want to bring them back to the gospel? Because the gospel informs our true identity, doesn't it? It tells us who we really are in Jesus Christ. You are not your clothes. You are not your weight. You are not your hair or lack thereof. You're not. You're who Christ says you are. Who does he say you are? You are loved. You are loved. You are adopted into his family. You are a son. You are a daughter of the king. Nothing can touch you now because of that. So when we're encouraging people like this, don't appeal to the flesh. Bring them scripture. Bring them words of life that are going to help them tear down these idols, tear down these false gods. Okay, don't appeal to the flesh. That's one way we mess up, you know, encouragement. How about another one here? We use cliches and platitudes. We use cliches and platitudes. You ever, you ever done this? And sometimes we kind of say things that, you know, they, they again, they, you know, maybe are correct or maybe sound correct, but they're just so kind of surfacy or, again, they're, they're just cliches, right? Like, time will heal, right? Like, t- t- time, time is going to heal. You know, it's, 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 it's going to take a while. You know, the person that's gone through a divorce or, or the person who has, you know, lost their business because of, of unwise decisions, listen, they probably know that it's, you know, not going to be a good day tomorrow, right? They know it's going to take time. They know all of that. And so, again, we don't want to use cliches. We want to use Scripture, Right? We want to be thinking about verses and as you're you know, reading the scriptures for yourself and as you're absorbing that and you're memorizing the word of God and as God's word impacts you, you can be able to share that with people to provide real balm and ointment to their souls. Right? So we can use cliches and platitudes. It's another way here. We can use unbiblical advice that kind of sounds right. Unbiblical advice that kind of sounds right. You ever done this before? You know, Sometimes you know, uh, you know, a person, maybe an example I can think of is, you know, maybe someone has, has some kind of disease or some kind of, of sickness. And sometimes we, you know, read a scripture and we see that God heals people. And so sometimes we will kind of claim that for this person. You know, the Lord, the Lord will heal you. The Lord, the Lord will open up your womb and allow you to have children. He will do these things. Let's just hold on to these promises of God and trust him by faith. Here's the problem, though. What if that's not his plan for you? What if cancer takes that person's life? What if the woman remains barren? Is your advice in any way helpful? It's not. Right? So we need to use biblical advice that's correct. We don't want to warp the scriptures. We don't... We don't want to be off about this we need to be careful as we handle the word of truth all right here's uh here's another one jump into conclusions too quickly instead of listening well right this is like pro- probably like classic husband move right i can <laughs> i can fall into this territory uh quite a bit you know sometimes Angela will share something and here's what's kind of going on and you know in her life and and i'm like mr fix it guy like i've got you know you know a verse take two verses and call me in the morning hon huh, everything will be great Right, I'm that guy. I don't even really. I'm not listening to her. She's like, listen, I, I know, I know, I know what I'm supposed to do. Right, I get it. Like, my wife's more mature than me. Right? Like, she's she's amazing. Right, she 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 just needs me to listen to her carefully, so that when we when we listen carefully, we can know very specific ways of how to use how to apply God's word as a way to encourage them. All right, so let's listen. Let's listen carefully. Not just jump, not just jump to solutions or just assume that because you know, God did something in your life, that that's the exact thing you need to apply to their life and to their situation as well. That's a good word for me. How about the fifth one here? Giving biblical advice out of context. Now, you might say, "Wow, that's kind of related to, you know, number three. Uh, But sometimes we give unbiblical advice out of context. There's a couple of classic examples that we use, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And we sort of use that. We kind of we violate the context. We rip that out of context. and We try to encourage people with that. Oh, you're starting up a new home business? Well, guess what? Just trust the Lord. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. This will succeed. Right? The bottom line, though, that's not what that's talking about at all. Right? Paul writes it in Philippians here. And again, remember, where was he when he wrote it? In prison. And the context there, the verses leading up to it, says that he. what he's saying, he's like, I, I know how to live in need. I know how to live in plenty, right? If if I'm struggling and I don't ha- I don't know where my next meal is coming from, I.e. prison, I can do uh, you know I, I'm gonna be fine. If if I'm you know living in the lap of luxury, hanging out with Lydia at her place, and everything's going amazing, and I'm eating steak dinners and all of that, listen, I know how to I know how to live that way too, and not you know not put too much hope in those things. He's like you know whether I have little or whether I have lots, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, all things limited to that context, right? And sometimes though, we we violate that and we just apply that to kind of every situation. Is there another example of this? There's probably lots. Okay, here's one, here's one. God will give you the desires of your heart. You know, if you want it bad enough, God's gonna give it to you, right? Just keep praying for the spouse, Right? Keep keep asking the Lord for that. The harder, the more that you want that, the more God is going to give that to you. Really? Maybe not. Maybe that's not going to come. I'm not trying to like devastate anybody here this morning, right? But uh, but what I think that's, that 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 verse is saying is that God will continue to give you new desires, right? As He changes your heart the desires that you had for, you know, worldly things, for, for idols, the over-desires, the, things that we, the, the good things that we want too much, God will begin to pull those things down and give you new desires. He'll give you new desires for him. So many of us are like, for example, like I, I don't really feel like reading God's word. My time in God's word is struggling. Pray that God would give you that desire. Lord, I, I, I realize, I know on some level that I, I need you and I need to come face to face with you each and every day. Lord, would you grow that desire in me? Right, so we want to be careful here that we don't use biblical advice out of context. We want to make sure that we can encourage people truly. Here's the last one. okay, Passing the buck to someone else. Okay, passing the buck to someone else. You ever done that? Right, someone shares, someone pours their heart out to you, and you're like, I don't know what to say, or I don't really care at this point. And so, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get someone to talk to you about that. Right? That can happen. Pastors can do that. Sometimes you guys to do that. Well, you just need to go talk to the pastor. No, they don't. They need to talk to you. You need to be the one. God has, God has appointed that time for you to be an encourager to that person. Right? You don't have to. I mean, trust me, I love praying with you as, after the service. You don't have to pray with me. You can pray with you know, some of the other people that are up here. They can encourage you just as much as, as me. So we don't want to pass the buck. right? We want, to, we want to make sure that we seize the opportunities that God gives us. Listen, we should, we should be excited for the opportunities to encourage one another. We should be excited for that. We should be fired up about it. Like, Lord, would you bring me opportunities to bless somebody here at church today? You know, somebody who is hurting, somebody who is, is, is struggling, somebody who is in need. Lord, would you would you do that? Would we, would we grow in, in our excitement that we, we get to do this, we get to partner with the Lord in this and cheer each, other's, uh, cheer each other on? We, uh, let's understand that, that there are people here who are hurting. There are people here who are struggling and they're, you know, they're insecure and, and they're fragile in, in all kinds of ways. And, and what does common community do in all of that? It ignores it. Right? Common community ignores all of that. Yeah, you may be part of like a sweet golf club and, and like a, a country club or you, know, you, you bike or motorcycle or swim or run with a, with, with, with a group, with a community there. But are they, are they going to help you, you know, get down to the nitty-gritty areas of your heart and encourage you in Christ and all of that? No, that's that's uncommon. That's what or that's what common community does. It ignores it. Uh, common community will will discourage instead of encourage. Common com- community provides entirely unhelpful advice at times. You're like, yeah, you you know, your husband is a jerk, and maybe you do need to leave him. You're like what? That, no, no. Common community is not what we're going for here. We're going front common. That's what we need to be. That's what we need to be striving for. Let's be a a church where where we're working towards giving biblical advice, biblical encouragement, passionate, heartfelt, gracious, not heavy-handed, not wailing people with the Bible. No, gracious, understanding that we're a work in progress, that we need the encouragement as well. Let's be be spirit-filled, spirit-led in all of this. Let's be a church that that, that builds up. Let's, Let's seek to extend it. And let's send uh, seek to to receive it as well, right? Is are, are you committed to this? I'm committed to this with you. I hope that you're I hope that you're fired up about it. I hope this is stirring up in the Lord. Like yes, this is the church. This is the culture. You know, I need to be a part of. Let's pray. let's let's, let's seek the Lord right now, and let's ask Him to continue to create this and build this here at Harvest.